This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. For Military Podcast. First off, where did you come from originally, you know, to get into the military and then your career path and everything that led you up the meeting bike and uh, then your time together? But you guys have known each other for a number of years because you served together within the same unit. I would, uh, yeah, together is kind of loose, but <laughs> yeah, he, he's my battalion sergeant, command sergeant major, so yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely, and uh, it'd be kind of interesting to see what Mike has to say on his perspective of those times and since then, so it'll be I, fun I conversation. Don't, I don't have a lot, I don't have a lot of comment on, I mean, on, on, on times and stuff, and I don't tell stories about guys that have worked with me, um, as long as they don't tell stories about me. <laughs> 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 but I, I, you know, I do remember what I remember more than anything is, is after we were both out, you were working on a project, you were writing something, uh, putting something together on high performance learning strategies. I think it was at the same time that I was doing my graduate research and, and we kind of collaborated back and forth on, on your project and in that manner. And I don't know how far you took that with, um, with increased freedom or, or anything like that, but I'd be interested to hear, uh, kind of where you took. I don't know, Robert, you might have to cut something back in, but I, I'd be interested to hear from Lana where he took that after uh, he, he got out of the military and really started to transition into what his passion was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Yeah, go for it. It's uh, Yeah, so, uh, you know, I contacted Mike. I, I'd always respected him as a leader and saw the things that he was doing post-military. And you can just kind of tell – just by some, what, what they talk about, what they post about, what they're passionate about, their actions, behaviors, and it just exudes their character. And uh, I reached out to Mike because I knew that he was that kind of guy that would help a, uh, a younger fella out. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I got out of the military in 2017 and started trying different things, tried experimenting with uh, different projects, endeavors, businesses, and... Uh, and so one of the ideas that I had was, you know, trying to translate this high performance mindset from the, you know, the special forces into something that is bite sizable to those that may not have served in special operations or even in the military and to take those high performance uh, strategies, tactics and put a, fra- a simple framework to it. And that's why I contacted Mike to bounce some ideas off of it. And uh, so I sent it to him. And he gave me some incredible feedback uh, and grateful that he would even just come back and reach out to me. Um, yeah. And then a lot of things happened since then um, that we can talk about. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I want to say real quick that I, I still have a copy of that. And um, as, as part of coaching kids in high school, you know, you can never, never get away. I think of, of trying to teach them, to have an elite mindset, right? What is, what is, what is it to be elite? And I, I, there's a lot of good things in that document that you originally put together um, that's easily translatable to, to, I guess, performance coaching. And I, I just wanted you to know, Lane, for me, I, I use it all the time. Awesome. Yeah, great great feedback. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, that, that kind of same framework I, I've used in uh, entrepreneurship and performance mindset post uh, that document because it, I was planning on putting it together and kind of creating a course out of it. Uh, but now it's just part of my coaching or I don't, I don't know if it, you could call it mentoring, but uh, being able to help uh, business owners, especially veteran entrepreneurs to excel in business. And of course, 
something that Robert and I were talking about before was putting a little purpose or putting a lot of purpose uh, on the back end and having that as your chief aim, so to speak, and applying the tech techniques of high performance strategies and mindset on that path. And uh, that's what I'm really passionate about today is uh, mixing that high performance uh, mindset in business and putting it towards a direction to uh, achieve impact, to be able to uh, have a community around you that is doing some great shit in life, basically. <laughs> what, so let's start get let's dive into that a little bit more. Since Mike, you you actually you know mentioned that you had used some of it with the, your youth and what you're doing as far as a coach in football. Um, last week, you know, we had JB Spiso on the podcast, former Ranger. Um, he's done a lot of amazing things as either a life coach or um, as a trainer. He worked a lot with uh, professionals as well as student athletes at West Point. And he talked a lot about, you know, warriors leading warriors and, you know, how important it is to create that kind of mindset and that a warrior mindset doesn't necessarily have to be the Spartan 300, you know, and those types of things. It's more about just, you know, living a good purposeful, uh, purpose filled life and, you know, um, having the right mindset and those types of things. So I'm curious, since we touched on it slightly, what what do you consider to be? Uh, a high performance mindset. If somebody said, okay, listen, you know, I hear what you're talking about. You mentioned those terms, but if you break it down by definition, what does it take? What is that mindset? Yeah. So for me, it's being ultra focused on where you want to go. And it's not about being the most efficient, but understanding exactly the path that you want to take. And then basically putting blinders on those other things that aren't part of that purpose, that mission, and that path that you're creating for yourself. Because so many people get distracted by social media, um, advice from people that don't exactly know how to give advice. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people are giving advice that they themselves wish they had as far as, I'm going to tell you what your path is versus let me extract the path out of yourself. Because you're only going to know what your path lies, uh, because you know yourself best, whether you, whether you know that right now or not. Mm -hmm. uh, a good mentor, a, a good coach is going to help extract that greatness that's already within you. And to tell somebody this is what you should do as far as this is the path, uh, that's not my practice. My practice is to help them extract that so that they can take their own path and move forward uh, with the high-performance mindset that's aimed at that purposeful mission in life. You know, uh, we did an episode a long time ago on coach versus mentor, and there's a lot of what you just said. Many times a coach is the person that actually, you know, has the playbook, has the direction, and is telling you where to go and what to do. As, whereas a mentor, to your point, is somebody who listens a lot more than provides, you know, a lot of guidance or direction. They're wanting you to figure that out by bringing those qualities or that thought process you know, that you have and to what you think you should do. And um, I think that's much of what the difference is. And I think people struggle with that because at times you may be a coach and a mentor at the same time frame, but you never want to force your beliefs, your opinions and everything else on somebody else because either you didn't choose those options or because you feel like they should follow what you're saying. Now you're not being a mentor anymore. You know? Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Yep. And so, Mike, you've you've used a lot of this within, you know, coaching your young people. What are some of the things that you've taught them through this process that, you know, about how a high performance mindset will get them through what they're they're getting ready to experience? So so two things really come to mind, Robert, um, from my perspective. And, and one of them is kind of counterintuitive to being a, 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 a guy in the Army, a former Green Beret. And that's. um you know, in, within at least our community lane, there's a fear of failure, right? Nobody wants to be seen as the weak guy. Nobody falls out of PT. Nobody wants to fail a school. And and kind of the, the flip side from any type of really elite performance is you have got to embrace failure. You've got to make mistakes. Um, and you've got to be able to reflect on those mistakes to learn from them to in order to improve. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to be as good as you are, but you're not going to you're not going to improve. You're not going to get any better. And um, something that my first team sergeant in 10th group told me um, when I was learning to ski, 
is, uh, you know, and I always remember the quote is if you're not falling down, you're not skiing hard enough. Right. I learned to ski in the army. I learned to ski in 10th group and I got to a point to where I was comfortable skiing. I was comfortable skiing with equipment. Um, but I didn't really want to go out and do some of the really hard tree skiing, helicopter skiing, you know, and, and stuff that's in, you know, steep and, and deep, uh, terrain. And, and I'll always remember Rex telling me, man, if you're not, if you're not falling down, you're not skiing hard enough. And I think in any type of performance coaching, it goes really the same way. If, if you aren't failing, if you're not making mistakes, then you're not pushing yourself and you're not learning, you're not adapting to the environment. And then the second thing that really comes out, and I, I think that this is kind of innate again to being an SF guy and, uh, and teaching um, our partner nation forces how, how to, to become better. And that's, um, you've, you've really got to slow down and, 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 and do the small things very, very well. So uh, Lane in his document talks a lot about, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell's, what is it, 10,000 hours, um, you know, a, a number of times that you've got you to practice things over and over and over again. So I, I do the same thing when I'm, when I'm teaching or installing an offense or, or working, you know, specific positional things for an individual group. We do things over and over and over again to try to do them at, at the very, very basic level. And, and I think that, you know, the, the best military units in the Army whether it's special operations or conventional forces, they do the basic things better than anybody else. They don't do the high-speed things. They, you don't need all these crazy uh, plays in football to be successful. You need to go on the football field and perform your basic job better than the guy in front of you for three seconds every time the ball is snapped. So that's what we work on. I, I mean, uh, accepting failure, trying to learn from from mistakes and then practicing the basics very, very well. It's too funny. You actually just mentioned the three seconds. While you were talking, I actually started writing down a few things that I wanted to cover. And one of the things was that, you know, uh, a coach that I remember said that very same thing, that, listen, you've got to just give your best for three seconds. Play as hard as you can for those three seconds. And if you fail or if something happens and you did a miscue, you know, and you did something wrong, you've got to shake it off faster than that because you got to get your mind back into the game. And so I think those lessons, Mike, as you're trying to teach these kids, it's not just for the position. It's not just for football. It's in life. No, you're right. I, and I think, you know, saying shake it off, there's another there's another quick lesson that, that always comes to mind from when I went to sniper school. You know, you're going to miss the target, right? And if you miss the target, Lane, have you been a SOTIC? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you miss the target. If you're focusing on that last shot, when you're getting ready to make your next shot, it's going to affect what you do for the next shot. So you, that last shot's gone. It's out the barrel. Forget about it. And that's what I tell kids. You miss a blocking assignment, right? You, you have a bad play. Um, if you continue to think about that, it's going to affect you for the next three, four plays, and it's going to compound your performance, and then you're going to have a bad quarter or a bad game, ultimately probably want to sit out. Um, you've got to forget about it. The next play is going to come in be a great play. It's the same lesson, right? You have a great play. Uh You've got to forget about that one, too, because all you have to worry about when that next play is called is the three seconds in the assignment that you've got to do for that play. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And being able to let go of that past, you know, it's called failure, uh, but it's just an experience that which you can learn from and to be able to let it go and then continue to move forward in the direction or the mission that you're heading towards, I think is key. And uh, yeah, that's what I see over and over and over, you know, Stephen and I, Stephen Kuhn. He was just on the, this podcast recently, and uh, him and I, we're leaders of a veteran entrepreneur community online called the Vetpreneur Tribe, and we have about 14,000 veteran entrepreneurs, all different branches, all different businesses, uh, industries of business, and over and over and over, we see them not mastering the basics, not mastering the fundamentals. They want to go out for these techniques, these advanced strategies, but then they don't even know what problem they solve in business. They don't know what they're providing for their customer. They don't know exactly what they stand for as, as far as principles and values of their business. And just like special forces, you know, they're master of the basics. And then you can add on the, the quote advanced stuff, but only when you have that foundation solid and it doesn't matter if it's life business or anywhere in between is that mastering those basics is the first step. Yeah, I think that that foundation you're talking about there, Lane, is is the key to it. And the the problem these days, everybody wants the life hack. You know, they want the quick route to get to the top, to the fastest method of 
making money, being successful, whatever it is in life. And you, you can't just get yourself to the top instantly from the bottom. You've got to put the groundwork in. And, and really, the, the groundwork, the fundamentals are those basics and learning the basic things, how to do them really, really well. And they're almost muscle memory. You know, if you talk about a physical activity, you just drill it over and over and over again, and it becomes second nature to you. And those basics is what will carry you through. And like you said, you can build on top of those then and become more advanced at whatever it is in life. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that being as intentional as possible is the recipe for success because there's so many people taking a lot of action, you know, let's call it hustling, that they don't actually know where they're going. They don't know what this these actions and things that they're doing will get them. And the more intentional that you are about, why the hell am I doing this thing that, I, that I'm doing right now? And asking that, that question and taking an honest look and saying, all right, well, maybe I don't know what the hell this is. And so maybe I need to get a mentor. Maybe I need to talk to somebody who's been there, done that. And But the question is, or the, the focus is, be as intentional as possible with every moment of your day. And, and not to say that you have to be efficient. It's just that if you're going to have fun, that's your intention is to have fun. If you're going to crush it in business, if you're going to crush it on the field, if you're going to, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. But as long as that you know exactly why you're doing that, you're gonna you're gonna crush life and everything in between. Yeah. When you say why you're doing it, that that's the key, right? So you've got to be you got to understand your why, and and that's your passion or your drive. So what is it the reason why you're wanting to um, to do this and be successful, or why is it so important to you? What do you believe at the end game you're actually going to see once you achieve this? You know, you got to visualize it, you got to understand it, and that's what a lot of good mentors actually do. When you say you know life coach or business coach or something of that nature. I can't tell you how many great successful people have actually had a life coach. And I had one of those and she didn't actually like to be called that term because, you know, there's, there was a bit of, you know, everybody's calling themselves a life coach, you know, let's face it. And she had a lot more of the skills necessary from her, um, her education and training that um, was beyond just a life coach. And she was someone that helped me so much in understanding who I was and actually the things that I started letting go that I should have kept within that, that shorter circle, you know, and I, and I forgot about those things. And she reminded me as I began to talk about my past, how important those things actually were. And that because I've excluded them is the reason why I feel a little bit like I'm off the track. And so I need to bring those back into my life so I can get back in the right space. Um, it was such a powerful statement that actually probably took me about three to six months of working with her for me to understand those concerns or those things that were going on within my life because it wasn't an easy path to get there. It wasn't a one meeting and this is your challenge uh, or these are the things that you need to work on. Like you were talking about in the very beginning, it was a lot of, hey, I want you to think about these things that you said next week. We're going to I want you to do this exercise. So next week we can talk about that because she wanted me to figure it out rather than telling me what I was probably doing wrong. Powerful. Yeah. And questions. Yeah. You know, those that have been there know know the questions to ask, whether it's, uh, you know, leaders that have been there, done that. Uh, people that have life experience, business experience or whatever, that they know the right questions to ask. And that's the thing that they bring to the table. But what you have to bring to the, on the other side is I got to answer honestly yes. and not not give the, the surface level answer that I think everybody's looking for. And that's that takes a lot of internal courage to be able to say, this is actually what I want to do. And it's actually against the grain because not many people in my path or career or life, you know, style that they never, they hardly ever take this path, but I got to be honest with myself and I got to show the, the courage to actually follow that path that I know that I need to take. Yeah. In the beginning, I think she was shocked that I was actually going through the exercises and applying, you know, that much effort, to be honest with you, because to your point, you may give somebody an assignment, you may ask them questions, but if they're just responding because they're trying to fill the void, you know, or they're going through the motions, then it's, it's not going to be impactful. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
I th- and I and I think that you know trying to find the right individual to give you that coaching and mentoring is part of the challenge too. You're going to have to sometimes go outside of your circle in order to to find those influencers and those individuals who've had the experience. And some people, it's very hard to do that because their circle of five or circle of ten friends or something. Um, may not even know somebody with that type of depth and experience that you're looking for. Um, So that becomes a challenge too. I happen to be very lucky in that it was part of a a career path that I was on in which the company actually assigned me this individual. And at first I went in kicking and screaming and thinking I didn't need to talk to her. And, And I came out, you know, like really awake within 30 minutes of talking with her. And, and was, I remember phoning my wife and, and I told her, I said, listen, I was expecting to tell you this is a bunch of hokey stuff and I don't need this and all that like I did going in. But I'm going to tell you, I felt like somebody just opened up my chest, my heart, my ears, everything and, you know, reached down into my soul and my being and really started getting me focused on, wow, this is right now where I need to be. And I need to be listening to this person because obviously they're going to have the guidance to get me where I need to go. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to mindset and, you know, what we continue to focus on and believe that's what's going to start happening in our life. And, you know, the high performer, he's like, he or she's like, you know what, I'm going to go fucking do that thing. And nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to find the right people. I'm going to find the right strategies, techniques, and I'm going to crush it. And that mindset of just being singularly focused on the, the the milestone or the outcome that you're looking for, that's the that's the mindset of a high performer. And, you know, you got to just be relentless. And that's what I want to go after. But that's that's the vehicle to get there. The high performance mindset. What's you know, how do you find the direction? And that's the purpose thing that we're talking about. That's the questions that a mentor would ask you. And you have to be diligent and honest with yourself to to find out what that path looks like for you and this is probably you know mike as a coach when you're teaching these types of things to your kids i can only imagine that some are going to be really receptive and um some are probably not going to embrace it or maybe even more or not just because again they're a young kid they got so many things on the brain they're not thinking of somebody um truly getting inside of them and and teaching them a life lesson here they're thinking you're teaching them how to play this position. That's it. Um, so well, I, I think, I, I think also, you know, to, to, at least from, from working with a lot of kids, I, I think that it's really easy to have a, I'm never going to quit mentality when you have experienced a, a deal of success, right? Right. You've seen what success looks like. You've, you've, you've fought through some adversity and you've still been successful. A lot of these kids don't have that. A lot of these kids come from challenged, you know, disenfranchised backgrounds, I mean, look at what's going on in America today and, and, and think about what an average diverse classroom looks like and what's going on off the football field every day. A lot of a lot of kids in America don't have positive role models in their life and they don't experience success on a day-to-day basis. So as a coach, it's my job to set that success up. They can, they can see it in the classroom. They can see it on the football field. And as they start experiencing that success as a freshman or as a sophomore in high school, um, as they, as they become a little bit better in a position, Robert, right? And they've got something to draw from where they've missed an assignment and they didn't, it didn't, the world didn't end, right? And, and they hit it the next time and boom, they bust an 80 yard run. Um, or, or, or you get way behind in a football game and claw your way back and win that game. All it takes is one time to have that success. And it's, it's man, it's on your, it's on your memory now. You know, when you, when the chips are down, as you get a little bit further along in life, that you've, you've got some point of reference um, where you can, you can become successful. I mean, think about all the things, the challenges that we do in the army that, that are, that are, they're set up. Nothing in the army is designed for you to fail, right? Everything is really designed to, to pass people. We wouldn't have an institution in the United States army if we failed everybody, you know, uh, that, that mentality that, that I'm from the last hard class and all of you guys suck that come after me. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, that's because we've experienced success, Right, that we, we we kind of elevate that thinking, and now nothing is going to beat us. So I, I think it's my responsibility, particularly working with the, the 14, 15 year old group, to 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 find that, to find it in practice, to find challenging, you know, times in the game. I'll, I'll tell a quick story, and Robert, I, I'm sure I've told you this before. My first year, second year coaching, second year coaching, I was the head coach for the first year, 
Um, we got behind by 40 points in, in a, the first half of the football game against a, a 5A school in Denver that had three freshman football teams. Um, there were more linemen on that football field than I had on the entire football team. And, and we, we're talking kids, 5,000 kids in a school. When they travel, they travel their, their A-list, and everybody else plays inside uh, the district up there in Denver. Um, and we got behind by 40 points in the first half. And that football coach on the other side took all of those starters out at halftime, and he put his other team in, right? And that other team was on par with us. Like he had a whole group of ringers that he would travel, and he was going to win his football game. And they're undefeated every year. Um and we beat that football team 28 to nothing in the second half. My same kids who were tired and got beat up all the first half. And I told some silly combat story at, at halftime and, and get them all fired up. And they go back in there and we kick off the football and we knock a kid down. He fumbles the football uh, on, the, on the opening kickoff in the end zone. We recover it for a touchdown and set the tone to win that second half. And that's all I said. Let's, let's win the second half, 28 to nothing. You'd have thought those kids won that football game on the bus ride home. And um, that's something that for the rest of their lives, those kids will look back on. Man, I was down and I didn't fucking quit, right? And I, I think it's my responsibility to set that up and teach them. Now you got to tell us oh. the story. What that was, was the, the story. No, what was the halftime story? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been that DSC story. Um, I forget the guy's name. I can't pronounce it. Lane, you might remember his name. Um, it was a third battalion guy in, in, in um, Iraq who uh, objective went bad. He ends up getting shot in the stomach a couple of times. Uh, his team leader gets shot. He's laying out under fire. He goes outside. He pulls his team leader back in. He patches the team leader up. Um, some of the indigs get shot. He pulls them into a, into, a, into a house, establishes security around that, calls in a QRF before he passes out from losing blood. Um, and he's, it's got a long, really long name, and I, I wish I could remember it, man, but I'm, I'm getting old. Um, but I tell him that. Right. And I tell him that story about, you know, this is a football game. This is a football game. We're down by 40 points. Nobody's shooting at you. Lives haven't been lost. You know, it's not a bad day. What this individual went through was, was a bad day. And he rose above it and he ended up getting awarded a single service cross. Now, I was probably more prepared to tell it than I was on the spot, Robert. Um, but those <laughs> kids fired up. And I, I tell a few more when a buddy of mine got hit by a grenade and you know, and, and he comes around and he, he, sh he shoots a guy in the chest twice with a 40 millimeter grenade launcher um, and blows that guy up, you know, fighting in Syria. Kids love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, they're all true stories that at the time when they just come out, um, you know, it, it's 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 not that bad. Yeah. It's a football game and and you can rise above this. And I, I think the, the result, at least of that one a few years ago, is they they put up 28 points in the second half and, and they thought they won the game. Well, yeah. I think that's a sign of a great leader. It doesn't matter what you're leading uh, or coaching is that you have the experience to know how to take that person to their next step, not the, you know, step five you know, ahead, but that very next step, that very next win, that very next shift in, in state of mind to be able to go from, man, we're, we're fucking losing right now to like, let's go fucking crush this in five minutes, 10 minutes. And that's, to me, that's the sign of a great leader that can continually do that. And Mike, to your credit, you know, not only with just 14, 15 year old, but also with, you know, Green Berets, full grown men, you know, and everywhere in between to be able to identify what their next step is and, and help them take it, whether that's to provide them the tools. Sometimes it's just giving them the motivation or anything in between. Sometimes, sometimes it's just being there, man. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I talked to, I don't know if you're at my change of responsibility when Wick took over. Um, one of the things that I said, and I've always said, leaving leadership positions, 90, 90% of, of being a, a good leader is just showing up, right? Just being there when the guys are training, when the guys are, are doing the hard things and it's, it's Saturday night and, you know, just showing up, man, and showing that you're there with them. And I, I've had a few, you know, leaders in, in, in my time in the career in the army that, that, that did that. And you never forget those guys. You know who else you don't forget? You forget you never forget the guys who don't show up, who put you out there to do the hard things, and then they go home at 1,700. And I, I think, I don't know, coaching and at least in teaching and coaching kids is, is a lot the same way. If they know you're out there sharing in their challenges, you're sharing in their victories, you're sharing in their defeats, man, they're going to they're gonna do anything you want for them. 
Mike, three hundred percent. I don't know if you remember the uh, the story that you told me in the car one time about, and I think we shared it on another podcast episode. But it's kind of fitting too about. Um, you know, when guys are down, they didn't want to do something. And in this case, it, the command had been sent down orders that you guys had to go on, I don't know, police call or something of that nature. Yeah. And, yeah. and how you motivated the troops, you know, and again, it's I just a- told the truth, man. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't motivate anybody. Um, it was, uh, I forget who the used to fig or used to suck. It's Cleveland. General Cleveland was coming, coming to 10th group. General Cleveland was a former 10th group commander and he was known for like being a stickler on cleanliness, right? Like he, if he would get mad if, uh, if, if he walked by and the windows were dirty when he was the group commander, I'm probably exaggerating, but you know, as the guy leaves and goes away, um, all the commanders that come after him, they want to impress him. Like he's the three star now. And he used to be the 10th group commander. He's the 10th group commander that led us into Iraq. Um, I think that, that those guys really, they wanted to impress them. And so anything that would go wrong, they were worried about. And, and, you know, Lane, you remember what the motor pools were like. It's old and there's freaking cracks in it. And anywhere there's a crack, there's, there's weeds growing up in there. And, and, um, and Eric Brown was our battalion commander at the time. And, uh, and Eric Brown's a stud. Everybody loves him. He's probably the most endeared battalion commander I've ever seen in 10th group after he's left guys continue to stay in touch and reach out to him. And he's, he's just a good friend of them. We had this big formation and Eric's like, Hey, we got to do this stuff. And you know, they're, they're coming down and they're going to check the motor pool. And that's what they've given us. I just stood in front of the formation. And I said, listen, I'm going to tell you to do some stupid shit today. I know it's stupid. You know, it's stupid, but this guy standing next to me doesn't need to take the heat for it because there's a guy coming down to check the cleanliness of the motor pool. So I'm going to be down here. Let's just get it all done. Everybody starts laughing. They're all laughing. Because I think a lot of times in the Army, somebody would stand in front of you and try to sell you a load of shit and say, no, we're going to clean this because it's the Army. It's the right thing to do. I know it's stupid. They know it's stupid. And they also, you know, I know they're going to do it, right? So let's just be honest with each other. I think that's the story, Robert. That's that's the story. Yeah, but you were right. Uh, I think the fact that you were honest and the fact that you were willing to be right there next to them and stuff, these guys were willing to to do whatever it is after that that you're willing to, to sell them or tell them that they need to do because they've now bought into it from a leadership standpoint. They understand um, the path that they, you know, how they've got to get there and everything, you know, and I think this is a good leader, a good mentor, a good coach. It all has to to go with understanding the people that you're trying to help, you know, further and advance themselves, uh, that there's going to be times that are good. There's going to be times that are bad right now. This is a bad moment, but we're going to get out of this. It's okay. We just got to go pull some weeds down the motor pole between the cracks. Not a life ending thing here. You know, I, I, I might, I don't know if I, if I carried on that conversation with you that day. Um, this when I was in Atlanta, I think. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of that comes from, you know, I didn't go to the army sergeant major academy. Right. I, I went I went to Air Force school and Air Force has a very, very different you know, look at leadership and management than the Army does. Um, and the way that they break that down is is the, the Air Force teaches two different types of management, social management and task management. A task manager is somebody who'll do anything to get the job done. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if, if he's if he's harsh, if he's toxic, if he's stepping on people. The end result of that is the job is done, so he's a successful manager or a leader. I think a lot of guys in the Army adopt that, that role. And, and a social manager does something completely opposite. They build a network around them of people who want to be successful and want to see you successful, and they do that through honesty and relationships. And that, I think that's all I was doing, As I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to, I hadn't been there very long uh, in position, so I, we need to build relationships that no matter what bad happens, um, that we're going to help each other be successful in this organization. Yeah, and I think that uh, an important, from my perspective, is that those leaders that are most successful, that people really endear and they'll follow them anywhere, is that that leader knows exactly who they are as a guy, as a gal, as a person, and they don't let the role define who they are. They don't change. They may conform and, and bend a little bit based on the the title, the role, and the responsibilities that they have to conduct sure. as that at that position, but they don't allow that to take control over who they are as a as a as a leader or as a person. And it's, it's just time and time again, I've seen those team sergeants, uh, you know, command sergeant majors that they operate from who they are first, and it it shows. They perform better. 
they people will follow them more because they're more authentic, they're honest, they communicate that to everybody, whether it's higher or lower. And those that conform to the role, it's it's felt. People can say like, oh man, they. And I don't want to say that they they've changed, but people talk and they're like, ah, oh, okay, all right, well they. You know, they're definitely different. They're saying something when they were a team sergeant. Now they're a sergeant major. They're two different things, you know, versus those other guys where, you know, it's all in alignment. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of the challenge even with individuals that get off active duty, though, is that they they think the military defined them. And now they don't know how to then make that transition. And it's just to me, it's the same thing that. Those guys who are successful, it didn't define them. It, they were they were individuals outside of the uniform. They knew who they were in their own skin. And I think that's whether you're 14 years old on a football field or, you know, you're 40 years old or 35 years old or even younger than that that's getting out of the military, you know, you, you can't let one thing define you. You can't let one bad moment on the football field define you. You've got to know who you are introspectively. You know, you got to know what makes up you know, this, this person, because you're going to be a whole lot better off if you do understand that and you'll understand then what's most important, you know, and that's kind of that mindset that you were talking about in the very beginning. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're about and you're listening to this and the easiest way is to look at those that inspire you because there's something there that resonates with you that, that says, you know, like we all look at leaders and like, man, that's a good leader. Like, well, why do we think that that's a good leader? Because there's some behaviors, there's some ways that they conduct themselves that really resonates. And then you can look at to those that inspire you and then ask yourself, like, what, what about that kind of behavior inspires me? And how can I do more of that? And if you just do that on a continually day basis, then you're going to find that you're going to know exactly what you're made of, what resonates with you, and then you're going to be able to be that leader. And it's going to be your own remix. You know, it's going to be your, your own style because, you know, that's that's leadership is you see 20 different leaders and you pick and choose which elements or which behaviors or aspects, characteristics that really resonate with you. And then you just become that leader. And it's not, it's not just leadership, but that's how you can conduct life too is if you don't know where you're going, look at those that uh, inspire you. And it may be not what they do, but how they do it. So it's, it's and a mentor or a coach or a leader is going to help you guide you on that process because the advice that I just gave is, you know, pretty vague, <laughs> but you have to take ownership and responsibility of your life. And those that do to the utmost are the most successful, are the most happy, most fulfilled, and I think that that's what a lot of people strive towards. Yeah, I think that ownership is is the first part of it as well. Lynn, is is people owning whatever the problem is that they see in their life at that time? Because if you want to change something, it's because you're not happy with your current situation. You know, if if you're really successful and and got everything you want, then you, you don't want to change that and, and go to anything different because you, you're happy and comfortable in that position. So w whatever stage you're at, you're currently at, owning the problems, the shortfalls, whatever you see it in, in your own head. And be aware that others might not see them as shortfalls or problems. And, and taking on that path and and like you said having that focus to uh, to see where you want to go and what you want to achieve and blocking out everything else but starting with that ownership of I'm, I'm not comfortable where i am now i need to change something and then taking that action to do it and don't expect anybody else to do it for you yeah you have to it's your life it's your life bro <laughs> absolutely you, you, you gotta you gotta go after it and uh i mean there's there's so many routes, there's so many paths, but there's only one path for you and you got to figure out what that is and you got to grab your own balls and go for it. Yeah. I think one of the challenges that I find as a parent, as a, you know, a coach or as a mentor is I don't want to see the other person fail probably as much, if not more so than the individual himself, because I just know that I made certain mistakes and if you found your way around those mistakes and didn't make the same ones, you're going to be that further ahead. 
But um, I think what we all learned, though, through the cycle of life is that we may help them get around the first bend, but they're going to find a different challenge and maybe one you didn't experience around the next one. So, you know, they're going to run into their own struggles and their own challenges. You just got them around one. You just steered them away from one of the things, but they're going to fall into something else. And maybe, you know, that's what everybody needs to understand is that as we go through, we're going to have those forks in the road that are going to hit us all the time. And uh, some of them may have guided you down the right path one time, but you're just going to hit another path and another fork and another path. And, and you've got to keep making decisions and some will be good. Some won't. It's just part of the process, part of the whole learning process, part of the growth, part of the how you get wisdom and you get gray hair like Mike. <laughs> well, that's why principles and values are so important. I don't have any gray hair. No. <laughs> just on your beard. Yeah. Uh, you, you make it look really good, though. Yeah. <laughs> So take us back to the uh, to the very beginning then, because I knew the two of you, you and Mike, um, you know, discovered one another in 10 Special Forces group. But how did that journey begin for you? Yeah. So, yeah, Mike, Mike was my command sergeant major for the battalion, and uh, he was one of those leaders that everybody loved, uh, respected because the way he carried himself. Again, you know, the, the aspects of a great leader that I spoke of before, Mike filled all those and uh, he was the guy that didn't change as far as the role or responsibility or, or whatever you want to call it. He was just a, a Green Beret that, that took that mentality from the teams and brought it to wherever he you know, found himself in, in, uh, in our unit. And yeah, just Mike was great. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm we're, hum I'm humbled, but this is about you, man. Talk yeah. about you. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your, what was your path to the, in the army before joining 10 special forces group? Yeah. So I joined the army 17 and, uh, I, I was an Intel analyst cause I, uh, got kind of swindled in by the army recruiter talking <laughs> about, Hey, you're going to be gathering some Intel on the ground and all this stuff. And 17 right. years old, I didn't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, Germany was my first duty station. I uh, was there for about six months, and uh, it was like December uh, time frame. Special Forces recruiter came to the, the post and dropped off some flyers and said, hey, you should join Special Forces. You know, it's really cool. And so I went to the, to the auditorium where they had the briefing at. And I walked in, and I walked in from the back like most auditoriums, really old school. And they had this video of – you know, dudes falling from the sky, blowing shit up, shooting guns, you know, all this really cool shit. And I'm like, man, that's that's what I signed up to do. And uh, yeah, so I ended up signing up and going to selection and all that kind of stuff. Um, or uh, Engineer 18 Charlie. And uh, yeah, then did a couple tours to Iraq, uh, 09, 010, 11. And uh, yeah, then just started performing and, and learning and, and uh doing my best at every turn you know in the early years of my SF career and then which led to starting up the CRIF uh, going to a lot of schools and uh, you know doing some other stuff in uh, northern Africa and yeah so eight years in special forces and then I got out okay and so once you got out what was the, the first thing that you kind of did? I mean, did you um, start off going right into the entrepreneurial route or what was your transition like? Yeah, so I had a, about a 12-month plan and uh, I was stationed in uh, 110 Germany uh, when we got out. So then we came back to the U.S. and my wife and I, we did a uh, three-month road trip across America. Nice. Spain, Spain in 37 states, um, seeing a lot of good friends and family. Started off in Colorado and basically went counterclockwise. And uh, yeah, incredible journey of uh, experience in the, the United States, different cultures, foods, and just a really incredible time. Uh, after that, my wife and I, we moved down to Panama for about a year and a half. And uh, started, I, went to, I just started to use the GI Bill, uh, International Affairs. Uh, Florida State University has a satellite campus down there. Um, and, and I, uh, I knew that I was doing using the GI Bill 
And, but I knew that I was starting this entrepreneurial route. And this is where that failure comes in that, that we were talking about before that I didn't know exactly what I was looking for. Uh, but I knew that I needed to try a lot of different things and ex experiment with different endeavors, projects. And, uh, you know, I tried a lot of different stuff and a lot of stuff didn't work out. And that's that's just the name of the game that uh, you keep going. You, you don't quit and you look within and see what really makes you feel awesome or makes you feel fulfilled or happy or and it's you know it's a balance of um fulfillment making money making doing impact and uh, yeah so that whole year and a half in panama was a uh it was kind of a interesting experience because on one hand my wife and i were, were continuing to travel you know uh in south america and uh having a good time exploring panama and all it had to offer well at the same time i was you know, trying different stuff and looking within and what am I really about? What am I really looking for? And uh, it finally took uh, my now business partner and uh, co-author, you know, Stephen Kuhn, which was recently on the podcast to really help me uh, with my journey. And that's what great leaders do. That's what great uh, partners do is see that thing that's within you that you may not even know what it is to extract it and then help you bring it forth. And uh, yeah, so since then, uh, that, that year and a half in Panama, uh, Stephen and I co-authored a book called Unleash Your Humble Alpha. Uh, we uh, released that earlier this year. Uh, we're the, the leaders of that Vetpreneur tribe that I spoke of earlier. Um, and I'm currently right now, as we record this in San Diego, uh, partnered up with a, a veteran-owned acupuncture business where we, four veterans, have uh, teamed up to uh, help the veterans in San Diego specifically uh, with acupuncture, healing, and, and uh, mental well-being, uh, PTSD recovery, uh, trauma recovery, like that, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just finding finding the route and finding how I can help in, in different endeavors in life. So, no, that's fantastic, man. I mean, it sounds like you've totally you know found your purpose and where it is that you need to be not to mention the mentoring and coaching aspect of it that we talked about in the very beginning you're able to do that and pass your advice and wisdom on to others who are going through the same challenges especially as a veteran entrepreneur so that's fantastic yeah and it's about for me it's about uh the strategy of analogy and so it's like you know being in the military, being in special operations, you know, having that high performance mindset. So how do you translate that principally into business or principally into life? And that's where I've really found uh, part of my groove, if you will. Like, uh, you know, last week we had a meeting with uh, three veterans and four doctors, you know, doctors of different practices. And, and uh, you know, the conversation was just incredible to where, you know, one of the one of the doctors was almost in tears. He said, "I've never found a team like this, or I never heard anybody talk like this, talk about purpose, talk about high performance, and mixing these kind of two elements together." Because we all hear the stories of doesn't matter if it's athletes, uh, business people, military professionals, that they're so focused on the the task that they uh, don't focus on the thing that that can make them feel incredible or or fulfill their purpose or passion in life. And it's, it's a interesting balance to mix the, the two of high performance and purpose. And, uh, I personally believe that that's where everything's going and it's great to have success. It's great to have a lot of money, a lot of accolades, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's all going to be meaningless if we don't find that deeper mission within, whether it's your own individual mission or something that you, uh, create a team around you and have a more collective mission that can be bigger than yourself. That's great. And you guys have created that again, maybe you need to tell folks, you know, where they can find out more about what you and Steven are doing, or if they're an entrepreneur, that's a veteran um, and they want to join that group, where can they find that information? Yeah, they can go to vetpreneurtribe.com or they can look up vetpreneur tribe uh, on Facebook 
we have a, also a, a, a leading edge group called the Warrior Council, which is uh, those that want to take uh, business. And these are all for veteran entrepreneurs or military entrepreneurs. And uh, our mission is to collaborate in, in small groups, in small communities, uh, with a, and to regain that camaraderie that we, that we felt in the military. And, you know, that's part of my mission is to create that bigger sense of purpose, you know, something bigger than yourself. Because, once you know, let's face it, you know, when you leave the military, you know, you have that bigger mission of protection of freedom, serving your country, and then you leave and you're like, man, like, what do I do now? Or, or what's my mission now? Or, you know, I, I can do whatever the hell I want. But, you know, that once you experience that that teamwork that you that you find in the military, that camaraderie, it's really difficult to slip into it. And so you have to be intentional about creating it for yourself. And uh, so that's why we created the Warrior Council is to, to help uh, fill that, that role yeah. of bigger mission in life. I know that Scott and I are, um, you know, definitely a part of a lot of the stuff that you and Steven are working for. You guys have, you know, the, the right approach and how you're looking at things. And we're certainly um, enjoying the conversations that we've had. And with Scott with Veteran Owned UK and trying to help veteran entrepreneurs that are over there and creating a directory where people can find their products and services to uh, the Veteran Owned U.S. site, which, you know, Mentors from Military tried to set up so that we can do the same thing here within the U.S. using a very similar platform. And then, you know, shows like this where we can try to pass on our knowledge and information to the veterans that are out there. So I think there are so many different angles and ways in which, you know, if you're a veteran, especially um, or someone serving on active duty, there are resources available to you that we've been talking about here within this show to help you get your mindset right. If you're looking to get a business set up, if you're looking to, you know, if you're already on your way, but you're just looking for coaching or a life coach, a business coach, you know, there, there are opportunities and there are people and resources out there that want to help you do that. So thanks so much, uh, Lane, for joining us on the show. It's good uh, probably for you to get a chance to see the old Sergeant Major. and. Ah. <laughs> that was great talking to you, man. I know we, we, we tried to get together a couple times in the past and our schedules just never lined up. So it was really good talking to you, Lane. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, when I get back to Colorado, we'll have to link up. Right on. All right. Thanks so much, Lane. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Appreciate it.